Jesus climbs up on top of a mountain to deliver an epic message to the people. He's got a message that he thinks everyone needs to hear. He wants to tell them about a word called makairos, or blessed. Who remembers makairos? Every week we go over it. It's a Greek word that means happy. Jesus says, hey, do you want to know how to be happy? I'm going to tell you the secret of being happy, of being blessed, of being makairos. This week, in Matthew 5, verse 9, we're just going to do one verse this week. Jesus says, blessed or happy are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for who you are, how amazing you are. God, we thank you so much that you give us this book that is a love letter written to us with instructions on how we can live our life, instructions on how we can be closer to you, instructions on how we can grow in our relationship with you. God, thank you that you care about our happiness. Thank you, Lord, that you, you care about us being blessed. You want us to be blessed, Lord. And even though there's things in the world that we think will make us blessed, we think will make us happy, Lord, you have the true path to joy and happiness. So I pray today we take hold of it for all it is, Lord. We love you, and we ask these things in your name. Amen. I'm just going to get right into it. One of the things we've been doing this whole week, and I, or the, not the whole week, but the whole series, has been taking a look at the words and the actions of Jesus. We don't want to just hear what Jesus has to say. We want to see what Jesus did to back up his words. And one of the things we've been doing is we've been pulling out some Greek words to study like what the real meaning is. So he says right here, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's look at the, the Greek word for peacemaker. The word is, I have a funny pronunciation up there, it's Ireno, oh, I can't even say it. Try to say it with me. One, two, three. Irenoipoios. Peacemaker. It means peace-loving, one who makes peace. That's pretty, like, peacemaker. It's somebody who makes peace. I think the key in this is the word makes, but we're going to get to that. Now, some of you guys, I knew you when you were junior high girls. I mean, you boys, I didn't know you when you were junior high girls because you never were junior high girls. But for some of you guys, I knew you when you were junior high girls. And you, I just want to say, you've all grown so much, not only in height, but just as people. But I remember in junior high, there was always the girls who would say, I just hate drama. It's terrible. Ah, no drama. I just don't like drama. I hate drama. But they were always the ones who were, you, you were always the ones who were the most dramatic. It was like, I hate drama. But secretly inside, you're like, I love drama. It's amazing. Um, some people can't handle times of peace. So what happens is they stir up some war. Does that, you, have you ever seen anybody like that? It's like things are quiet, things are nice, and it's like someone just can't handle it. I've, I've known so many people like this. They, they go to war against one another. Now, now I feel like you guys are all really chill. You've, you've all grown. In fact, there's even some boys here who, in the day, would stir up some trouble. But we are called to love peace, to be peacemakers. And Jesus is the ultimate peace lover. Now, you can take that to mean like Jesus was like a hippie. Like he walked around and he's just like, yeah, peace, man. Yeah, peace and love, man. I'm Jesus. We can think that about him, but that's not really the case. Don't have a wimpy, hippie version of Jesus in your mind. Jesus was a prize fighter. He was absolutely, does anyone here know what a prize fighter is? Raise your hand if you know what that is. A prize fighter is someone who fights for a prize. Someone who puts on boxing gloves and gets in the ring and smacks somebody around because he has his eye on the prize. And for Jesus, peace has always been his prize. Peace has always been what he had his eye on. Uh, there's a musician named M. Ward who I really believe is a Christian man. He's one of those guys, I love musicians who are Christians, but they, they do music in the mainstream world and they subtly, in their lyrics, let their faith slip out. But I love this. He has a song called Fisher of Men. He writes, he's a fisher of men. He's as wise as a prize fighter. He's like a soul miner, mining souls all down the great divide. That's M. Ward. I love that. It's a great album, great song. 
Jesus is a peacemaker. He's a guy who makes peace. He's a guy who's like, I see that there's no peace. I'm going to make it. I think Jesus takes peace very seriously because to Jesus, everything is a war. And what I mean by that is not a war against nations, not a war against people. It's a war for souls against man and the devil and, and the Lord. Because it all started with peace in heaven. God creates the heavens and the earth, and there was peace. In heaven, God is with all the angels, and it's peaceful. They worship him. They love him. He creates Adam and Eve, and there's peace. They would actually walk with God in the garden. Imagine that, taking walks with God in the garden. But what Satan does, back then he was known as Lucifer. He's an angel, worship leader, and he's I imagine leading worship and seeing people just angels bow down before the Lord and worship the Lord, and he starts to get jealous. He is the first in the history of the universe to commit a sin. It is the fatal sin of pride, and he looks at God and he says, you know, I could do that God thing better. What's so great about Yahweh? What's so great about God? I could do it better, and he starts talking to the other angels and says, hey, follow me, and I'll make you into a God. Follow me and see what you can be. We don't need to follow Yahweh. Let's start a revolution. Let's do our own thing. And it begins this giant war in heaven. I mean, God knew exactly what was going on. He kicks Lucifer and a third of all the angels out of heaven. Cast them down to earth where they end up. And they realize we've been separated from God. Our sin has separated us from God. We are now at war with God. How do we, how do we strike against God? This is what the demons are thinking. A demon is just a fallen angel. And the demons are thinking, how can we get at God? We can't defeat him. We can't kill him. What can we do? And then they see Adam and Eve, God's children. And they say, we can go to war against God's children. The ones he loves, we can tempt them. We can lead them away. We can destroy them. We can separate God from his family. And that's where we get sin. That was the plan. When the snake shows up, it wasn't just Satan being a jerk. He had a plan. I am going to separate God from man. This is the first act of war. And so he tempts Adam and Eve. They eat the food. They sin. And what happens is that sin now creates this giant wall of separation between God and his family. It's war. It's It's epic. It's an epic war. You're a part of the battle. It's a battle for souls. I talk in my Bible class to some of you guys about how do we feel about souls, and some of you write back, you know, I don't really think about it. I don't really, and I've been there. I've been in that place where I'm like, you know, I don't really think about the loss, but I want to challenge you. To God, it is all about souls. It's all about the people who are sinking down. That's the main point of all this. That's why we're on the planet. Because God has rescued us, and now he says it's time to rescue other people. If we're living our life where our priorities are just where we're going to go to school and what our job is going to be and what our retirement plan is going to look like one day, we're wasting our time. I'm going crazy on this. This is, I went off on a tangent there, okay? Jesus is the ultimate peace lover because ultimately his plan is perfect peace. He sees the war. He sees you fighting. He sees your struggles. Some of you guys have been fighting this week. All you guys have been fighting this week, if you're honest. There's been temptations for all of you. There's been struggles. Maybe you've had victory on those temptations. Maybe you gave in. Maybe you fell. Maybe you made a mistake. Don't think God doesn't care and that he doesn't know. He sees the struggle, and it's the great battle, and we can have victory through Jesus, because Jesus' ultimate plan for you is peace. The Bible calls him the Prince of Peace. He says, I come to you bearing peace. I want to see you. This is what peace means. It's not just like, oh, I'm peaceful. I, I love butterflies and puppies and, and anti-war. It's not necessarily that. Peace, the deepest meaning of peace is unity of the soul between man and God. That's what perfect peace looks at. God looks at you and all your struggles and all your temptations and all your craziness of life, and he says, I see you stressed out. I see you struggling. I see you falling, and my plan for you is perfect peace, that one day you would be joined together with God, and you would never have to go through any of that stuff again. That's the goal. That's what we're fighting for, not just for ourselves, but to get other people there. Jesus is a prize fighter. Now, In Matthew chapter 8, I'm going to tell you guys a story, but I've got to tell you guys what happened before the story. In Matthew 8, Jesus is on a roll, and he is bringing peace to people. He is absolutely looking at people and bringing them peace in so many different ways. First of all, 
He sees a leper, a man who has lost peace long ago. He's diseased. He has to walk into towns and say, unclean, unclean. People run away from him. They board up the windows. They, they hide their children. Is that peaceful? No, this man has lost the concept of peace long ago. His life has been shattered by disease, and Jesus reaches out to him, and he hugs him, and he heals him. He touches the man that no one dared to touch and brings peace into the man's life. Next, in the same chapter, a Roman centurion comes up and says, Jesus, my servant, one of my best servants, he's paralyzed. He's lying on the bed. He can't move. He's in great pain. He's tormented. Jesus, can you help me? And, he, and Jesus is like, yes, I can help you. And the centurion goes, you know what, Jesus, I have so much. This is a Roman, not a Jew. He says, Jesus, I have so much faith in you that I know that just, just by the word, just the word out of your mouth, the man could be healed. And Jesus goes, yes, you're right. And he is healed. I don't even have to go to your house. Your faith has made him well. He says, you're, like he, he says to the centurion, I, I have not met any Jewish people who have as much faith as you, you Roman. This is awesome. So Jesus brings peace to this home by healing this man's servant. Next, Jesus goes to Peter's house. Peter, one of his best friends, one of the disciples. Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. Back then, a fever could straight up kill you. Back then, they didn't have, like, Benadryl and Dayquil. Like, it was like, like, I don't know if they stuck leeches on you or something. Like, it was gnarly. But they didn't have anything, really. Jesus comes in, and he brings peace to the home by healing Peter's mother-in-law. Finally, verses 16 through 17 in Matthew 8, it says that Jesus literally just starts bringing all these sick people to him and demon-possessed. How, how, like, unpeaceful can you get having a demon live inside you? That is crazy. Can you imagine how, like, not being able to control your body, like flailing around and foaming in the mouth and like biting people, and you're like living inside your body, but it's like someone else has control over it. Thankfully, you followers of Jesus will never have to experience that, but it is real. There are still people around the world who get demon-possessed. I know a guy, Victor Marks, who goes into youth prisons. Prisons of, uh, there was a 12-year-old girl who like murdered her parents and siblings in cold blood. Crazy stuff. He goes into her cell. She's demon-possessed. She, her eyes are rolling in the back of her head. She's foaming at the mouth. When she talks, it's like a, a deep, growling man's voice. And Victor goes in. He's, he's a guy. He used to be the junior high pastor here a long time ago. He's a karate guy. Some of you guys have seen his movies. He's amazing. But he goes in that cell, and he just starts talking about Jesus. He just starts giving that 12-year-old girl Jesus. And the next thing you know, her eyes roll back, and her voice turns back in a little girl. And the demon is cast out through the power of Jesus. It's real. It still happens. I believe it. Jesus starts healing the sick. I heal your cold. I heal your fever. I heal your broken bone. And then the demon-possessed start coming, and he's literally bringing physical, real peace to these people. There's a storm going on in their life, a raging storm, and Jesus casts the demon out, and he brings peace to the people. I want you to know, just, just side note really quick, Whatever you're going through right now, I mean, Jesus isn't just like, yeah, the ultimate goal is for you to be in heaven, peaceful, but for right now, you're going to just have to deal with whatever you're dealing with 24-7. Whatever you're going through right now, whether it's stress, whether it's temptation, whether it's just like depression, like, I want you to know that Jesus wants peace for you. Like, his ultimate goal is peace for you. Sometimes he does allow trials in our life. Sometimes we have to go through things. But the amazing thing about going through trials is when your eyes are on Jesus and you're not freaking out, he gives us, the Bible says, peace that surpasses understanding. What I mean is, he's not always going to make your problems go away, but if you ask him for it, he will bring peace into your life that will help you get through what you're going through. Jesus' goal is not for you to live your life depressed and stressed out and worried and just like dealing with temptations and sin. His goal for you is peace, and you have to know that. You have to ask for that. You have to say, Lord, fill in the blank. Whatever you're going through today, you're all going through something. I'm going through something. My wife is going through something. The counselors are going through something. We all have things we're struggling with on a constant basis. There's always something. It never lets up. As human beings, we have struggles. Jesus looks at you and he says, I want to help you through that struggle, and I want to give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. I want to ask you, do you have peace? Do you have peace today? Do you have peace at school? Are you stressed out about grades? Are you freaking out about not getting those A's? Maybe those A's are B's. Maybe they're C's. Maybe you're not okay with that. Maybe they're D's or F's, and you are really not okay with that. And that's a struggle. That's a hard thing. What about home life? How are things at home? How are things with the parents? 
Maybe you've only got one. How are things with that parent? What about your brothers and sisters? How are things with them? Is there struggle? Is there strife? Are there arguments? Are there fights? Are there things that are terrible going on in your life? Do you have peace? Or is it a storm? Is it a constant storm? What about friends? Are things going okay with your friends? Are, are you fighting with your friends? Are the people who you thought your friends not your friends anymore because of fights and struggles? And then temptation. <laughs> is anyone here free of temptation? I'm not. Absolutely. Temptation is a constant thing for all of us. Sometimes it can really feel unpeaceful to be going through your life trying to be a good Christian, and you feel like you've got like the, the demon on your shoulder, like Emperor's New Groove, and he's like, hey, hey, look what I can do. And he's doing the handstand. He's like, ha, 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 And you're like, oh, so tempting. I don't know why a handstand is. A handstand? Is that like a, hand, a stand that sells ham? I don't know. I'm weird. I'm weird, guys. I'm sorry. But temptation, we all go through it. We all face it. Jesus has a lot to say about peace. In Matthew chapter 8, just a few more chapters after where we are in chapter 5, this is what happens. This is the story. The story is the disciples go out on a boat with Jesus. They just want to go on a little sailing trip. They get away from the crowds. They get away from the people. That feels like a big storm. All those people just, Jesus, Jesus, please help us. Please heal us. They're getting a little alone time with Jesus, a little time in the water. Most of these guys are fishermen, so this is an enjoyable time. But what happens is a storm kicks up. A big, heavy wind starts blowing. Rain starts falling. Lightning and thunder. They're in this little boat, and they're just getting tossed and turned up and down on the waves. And the disciples start freaking out. They're like, what is going on? We're going to die. Oh, Jesus, help us. And they look at Jesus, and guess what he's doing? Does anyone know? He's sleeping on a pillow comfortably. He's just like, hmm. He's just dreaming happy Jesus dreams. He's like, hmm, happy Jesus dreams. I don't know what a happy Jesus dream is, but he's dreaming it. And the disciples are looking, and they're like, thanks, Savior. <laughs> Savior, you can move the mountains mighty to save. Why aren't you saving us? We're going to die. This is terrible. We're in a storm. This is really bad. Jesus is in complete control. Do you think just because he's sleeping, he doesn't know what's going on? You think just because he happens to be getting a little shut-eye, he's not in control of the situation? They forget who they're talking to. See, Jesus was not concerned about the storm. He wasn't like, oh no, what am I going to do about the storm? This is a really bad storm, guys. I don't know what I'm going to ah! Like, he wasn't doing that. He wasn't freaking out about the storm. He wasn't concerned about the storm. He was concerned about the boys in the storm, the guys in the boat. That's who he's concerned about. He's not looking at the storm like, what am I going to do about this storm? He's looking at his guys. And he's like, how am I going to reach them? How am I going to teach them? How am I going to grow them? And I think him going to sleep was a strategic move because he's, he's testing them. He wants to see how they'll react. He wants to see if they're going to be like, he's asleep, but we got Jesus in the boat. We're going to be fine. Jesus is indestructible. We've got Jesus. Therefore, we're indestructible. It applies with us today. You have Jesus. You're indestructible. The devil can kill your body, but he can't kill the soul. You're invincible. No matter what anyone does to you, no matter what anyone says to you, does to you physically, you have an invincible soul that will live forever and be 10 billion times more powerful than your physical human body. Your soul in heaven, in perfect body form, will make your current body look like a rotten sack of garbage. You're going to look at your body and be like, oh, I can't believe I even walked around in that. That was terrible. That's what you're going to think of yourself. Maybe you think that of yourself right now. I do. Uh, I'm looking in the mirror like, what a rotten sack of garbage I am. Uh, oh, that sounds so derogatory. I really don't, like, I don't really think that, okay? I, like, I, that'd be really depressing if, like, I'm up here as your pastor. I'm like, I hate myself. I don't. But, you know, I could stand to lose a couple pounds. Let's leave it at that. Anyway. He's not concerned about the, the storm. He's concerned about the guys in the storm. The boys in the storm, the boys in the boat. Boys with names. Peter, Andrew, Thomas, Bartholomew. He's looking at these guys, and he knows them by name. I want you to know you're not just some nameless figure. You're not just some person in the book of life, just millions and millions of names in the book of life. Jesus knows your name. He knows how many hairs on your head. He knows what you're going through today. He knows exactly what you're dealing with, and he's with you. He's right beside you. He's 
holding your hand. He's walking beside you. He's standing behind you. He is with you, and you have to know that. I want you to be encouraged today, walking out of here knowing that he is with you in your storm. You know what Jesus does? He's like, Jesus, wake up. You're going to die. He gets up, and he's like, you guys, you guys of little faith, I'm with you. <sighs> Come on. I'm Jesus. I'm in the boat. Come on. Hold on, I'll, I'll take care of this. And he, he walks out all dramatic, and he's like, Peace be still. And the storm's just like, Whoa. And they're all like, oh, dang. <laughs> they're like, that was amazing. It said they were like, who is this? They actually, they, they like didn't, they didn't have Jesus completely figured out at this point. They're like, who is this that he can control the wind and the waves with his voice? This is amazing. Guys, in your trials... If you keep your focus on Jesus, if you ask him for help, there's going, to be, there's going to be a moment. It might take a while. You're going to have to be patient. But there is always that moment in the trial where Jesus comes forth and he brings peace. He makes a change. He moves something. That person whose heart you thought was so bitter that it would never move, that it would never open up, all of a sudden, peace. And they've opened up their heart. And they're talking to you again. And they're loving on you. You're like, how did this happen? It was Jesus. That situation where you're just like, I can never get through this. There's too many obstacles in my path. And you're freaking out. And then you start focusing on Jesus and loving Jesus and putting your trust in Jesus. And then peace. He brings it. There's been so many times in my life where I'm just going through it. And I miss out on what Jesus wants to do in my life through the situation. He says, peace, be still. He's a peacemaker. He absolutely is a peacemaker. Does anyone here have parents that stress out a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah? Okay, I, like, my parents are awesome. But my, when I was growing up, I mean, she's chilled out a ton. It's weird. She's chilled out a ton. But I think it was just like I was a weird kid, and I argued a lot, and I was super hyperactive. I got diagnosed with ADD, and they wanted to put me on Ritalin, but then they didn't. I'm glad. Um, but, you know, I'm still kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, she, my mom would stress out a lot. And I remember, maybe some of you guys can relate. Does anyone here stress out, but they don't show it? Like, it's all on the inside, but you have no, like, there could be, like, a, like, nuclear bomb going off around you, and you'd just be like, hey, this is a bad situation we got here. Everyone's, like, freaking out, like, oh, we're going to die. You're just like, that was me at home when there was a crisis. My sisters would be like, what are we doing? My mom's like, what are we going to do? And I'd just be like, yeah, this is, uh, got a pretty uh, tough, uh, it's bad. <laughs> I'd be like, this is, it's bad. And it, it drove my mom crazy. She'd be like, why aren't you freaking out? I'm like, I am on the inside. And it drove her crazy. It would probably drive me crazy, too, if I was dealing with myself. Late, I internalize. I really do. I internalize my stress. Lately, I've been stressed out a ton. I don't know why. I can't pinpoint what it is, but I've had a lot of stress. Uh, I love my job. My job is my favorite thing in the world to do for a living. I can't imagine doing anything else. It's, a, it's not just a job. It's like, it's like a mission. Like I show up to work, and I'm like, oh, man, all these, all these awesome people. Like Who can I talk to? Who can I pray for? Like, oh, man, this is so cool. I love my job, but for some reason, I've just been stressed out, and I come home, and I, I get it right here in the forehead. It's like just stress forehead tension and it's like I don't know why I don't, I don't know why I'm I'm stressing out so much but I have to remember and I've been telling myself this lately because I've been stressing out is Jesus stressing out is Jesus freaking out in the storm of life is he like oh no Peter what do we do like no he knows exactly what is going on he's got it all under control what is, what is peace? Is it perfect life? Is it perfection in life? No, it's unity between God and man. And I'll tell you guys, lately in my stressed out time, the other day I came home from a Tuesday night. Tuesdays are rough because it's like, you know, you work all day and you get off work. And I mean, and this isn't just me. This is, this is don't feel bad for me. This is all of our volunteers who work. It's all of us. We, we work at 5, we get off at 5, we show up at the church at 5.45, and, and then sometimes we stay to clean up till like 10 or 11 at night. It gets crazy sometimes, but we love doing it. But I remember I, I got home from Tuesday night, and I was just like, oh, that was such a good night. But man, I'm like stressed, and it's like almost time for bed. And I was like, I want to watch TV. And Jesus spoke to me. He's like, Aaron, be with me. I was like, but that takes effort, Lord. I don't want, I don't want to have any effort. That's why I like TV. It's no effort. I just, I could, 
could be like, I just want to watch some cartoons, Lord. God's like, no, spend time with me. I'm like, okay. So I grabbed my little devotional, and I just went out to my front porch, turned on the light, sat down, read my devotional, and just, peace. Just like stress, like melting away. Feeling like God is with me. Just a simple reminder. Just a very simple, short reminder in that devotional. You know? I'd spent the whole day just reading chapters and chapters studying for Ephesians, so I didn't want to read like a huge chapter. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to read this devotional. It's like one verse, a little bit of encouragement about it, and it just, I felt God with me. And guys, he wants to be with you. He's like, hey, I'm here. You want to read 10 chapters of me? Do it. I'll be with you through it. You want to read one verse and just meditate on that and just be stoked on that verse? Do it. I want to be with you. We miss out on it. There's so many distractions. And I miss out. I don't want it. I've been encouraged lately with my time with the Lord, and I want you to be encouraged too. It's been said, no, there's two ways to say no, right? K-N-O-W and N-O, right? So no Jesus, no peace. If you know Jesus, you'll know peace. No Jesus, no peace, N-O, right? If you know Jesus, you'll know peace, If there's no Jesus in your life, there'll be no peace in your life. Jesus offers us the peace that makes us whole. You guys remember the story of Humpty Dumpty? Sitting on a wall, falls off, breaks into a million pieces. All of a sudden, a bunch of horses are trying to put them back together. I don't know how that works. They've got hooves. Like, how does a horse, like, try to grab an egg? They probably just smashed it worse. It's a weird story. Children's stories are weird. But a lot of us are broken. A lot of us fall in our life plenty of times, and what happens is we're broken. All humans are flawed and broken due to our sin nature. There's a brokenness. We try to fill it. That's why I just, man, on on Instagram, I see so many kids just trying to, to just fill that brokenness by putting themselves out there. It's like, look at me, I'm attractive. Yeah! Selfie! I'm amazing. And then, like, you can, there's, there's pain behind it a lot of times. It's, it's like, just, man, I feel like I just, so many kids probably felt like I did. Like, will anyone ever love me? Will anyone ever care about me? I got to take these pictures because I got to put myself out because if I don't, no one will ever love me. If, I, if they don't see my duck face, they'll never know like, that I'm a cute kid because ducks are cute. I don't know. <laughs> ducks are not cute. Well, are ducks cute? But duck faces, are those cute? Nah, don't do that. We've got brokenness. We're trying to be whole through lots of different ways. We're trying to rebuild ourselves and put ourselves back together. And it doesn't work. Because we're trying to find our identity in something else. We're trying to find our identity in what people think of us and how people see us. We, we put our best foot forward. There's been studies shown that like, There's like people who out there on Facebook are just like depressed nobodies. But what they'll do is like they'll have like a few social interactions and they'll try to get that perfect picture where it just looks like their life is amazing. And then they'll post it because they want everyone to think like, like I've I've heard, I heard the story about one guy who was like having a terrible time at a party. But when the opportunity for a picture came out, he like got in front of the, the crowd with the people, like held up the beer can, was like, yeah. And then once the picture was done, he like went back to the corner and was all depressed. But he at least wanted that picture because it made him feel a little bit better because he could look at it and be like, yeah, I kind of had happiness for a moment. And people will look at it and they'll think I'm happy even though I'm not. It's, it's an illusion. Now, I'm going to tell you guys another story about Jesus where it backs up that he's a peacemaker. This is a different kind of peace. This isn't people fighting. He's bringing peace. This isn't a storm and peace. This is Jesus finding someone who's broken and making them whole again. Here's the story. Jesus shows up to a well because he wants a drink. Back then, they didn't have tap water or filtered water or any of that stuff. It was just you showed up to a well, and you wanted a drink. There was a lady there. This lady was, first of all, a lady. Back then, I mean, now, like, ladies are awesome. They've always been awesome. Ever since Eve, like, ladies are awesome. I like ladies. I like my wife. She's an awesome lady. I, I think men and women both are cool, okay? I don't, like, I'm, no one's superior. Like, I'm not here like, yeah, women are, they should make sandwiches. That's it. That's dumb. People who think that are dumb. Equal. Like, God made man and woman. Like, they, they're equal. 
But here's the thing. Back then, they didn't think that. In Jesus' day, they looked at women, and it was basically like, you're a slave. Like, all you do is you cook, and you clean, and you carry water jugs on your head, and you, like, milk the animals, and you raise the children, and you have to wear veils and not show your face anywhere. It was, it was, it was oppressive. It was oppressive for women back then. So... A man did not talk to a woman back then. It was considered like, like they were like an animal, basically, to them. It's like, you don't go and talk to an animal. Men talked to men. They didn't talk to women. Oppressive, weird, but that was the Middle East back then, and in some places still is. Not only that, but she was a Samaritan. This lady was from the rival town. She was from the people that the Jews hated. They looked at the Samaritans. They weren't Jews. They didn't practice Judaism. They actually were, uh, the, the way the Samaritans started was a group of Jews went out and married these like pagan people and had kids with them. And over centuries, it's like, it was like just this reminder, like they looked at the Samaritans and they're like, oh, you remind us of our dark past and our relatives like sleeping with other people who were not of our religion. This is bad. We hate you. They looked at the Samaritans and they were like, you are firewood for hell. Like the Jews were gnarly racist and misogynist and crazy. It was crazy. So they, this woman is a woman and a Samaritan. Jesus, by society standards, had no reason talking to her. And he looks at this woman and he sees pain. He sees brokenness. You know what he does? He walks up and he says, hi, how are you? He introduces himself. She's like, whoa, this guy's talking to me? He goes, hey, how about a drink? She's like, you're asking me for a drink, sir? Like, I'm a woman and a Samaritan. You're talking to me? This is shameful. This is strange. And Jesus goes, you know, I have. That sounds like he's, like, trying to pick her up. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> like, I have the fountain of living water. No, like, he wasn't saying it like that. But he says to her, listen, I have the everlasting water. I have the fountain of life. If you tried some of my water that I have, you would never be thirsty again. And she's like, what, what are you talking about, you strange man? She's like, if you've got this water where if I drink it, I'll never thirst again, give it to me. And Jesus says, go tell your husband, bring him, let him have some. And she goes, oh, I don't have a husband. Uh, I, don't, I don't have one. And Jesus goes, oh, you're right, you don't have a husband. Uh, you had five, and, uh, you know, divorce there, divorce there, divorce there, cheating on him, affair there, divorce, divorce. And the guy you're living with currently isn't even your husband. <laughs> That's scary. Like, I would hate it if Jesus showed up to me on the street and was just like, hey, let me tell you everything that's going on wrong in your life. And she's like, oh, uh, I'm guessing you're a prophet because only prophets can do that. Uh, this is awkward. And Jesus goes, I am not a prophet. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. I'm the one you need. Mind blown. Just because she's a Samaritan doesn't mean she hasn't heard about the Messiah. Jesus looks at her and he goes, I have what you need. You're broken. You're living in this town. You've had five husbands. You keep cheating on your husbands and breaking up with them and getting new husbands. And now you're living with your boyfriend. And you know it's not making you happy. You know it's not fulfilling you. I've got what you need. I'm the Messiah. The woman gets saved. Jesus makes her whole. He says, I have what you need. It's a relationship with me. It's my love. It's my forgiveness. It's my salvation. And this woman, she gets saved, and immediately she's, just, she's filled with the joy of the Lord. She runs into town, and she tells everybody, I met a man who told me everything I've ever done, right or wrong, and he's the Messiah. He's amazing. And people get saved. When Jesus brings peace into your life, when there was no peace, you're like the best candidate for reaching out to other people. Now, those of you guys who've grown up in a Christian home, keep that in mind, because you guys might be like, well, I'm saved. I've been saved since I was three. The, I came out, and the doctor slapped me, and I was like, hallelujah. That, that was my story. Like, I was a Christian kid, like, born and raised. But listen, when God does a miracle in your life, when you're going through a trial, big or small, you pay attention to that stuff, because God is going to use you to encourage somebody. God's going to use you to go up and say, hey, listen, I know you're struggling. I know you're having a bad time. I know your parents split up. I know you're depressed. I know that you failed the test, but listen... I was there. I went through it. This is what God got me through. How many of us encourage other people like that? We need to. We've all got stories. You've all got a story. God wants you to use it to encourage other people. This brings us to you, the Christian. The Christian. Who's a Christian? Raise your hand. Yeah, we're Christians. Okay, so as Christians, we can hear this story and go, oh, Jesus is a peacemaker. That's nice. So peaceful. So wonderful. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
that's a good thought, Pastor Aaron. I'm going to go home and just think peaceful thoughts, you know? I'm just going to, like, go sit in a field and just, like, look at the butterflies and just be like, oh, peace is so wonderful. Peace, peace, yeah. <laughs> you could do that, but it'd be stupid. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers. Guess what? Make is a verb. It's a do thing, okay? Peace makers, not peace thinkers, peacemakers. You are charged by Jesus to go and make some peace. So check this out. If I am at home and I'm sitting playing video games, which I do, I play video games. I, I, oh man, I just hacked Super Smash Brothers again. My, uh, anyone remember the hack Smash Brothers that we played? Yeah, in junior high. So the memory card got jammed in the box for like a year. Like Trent, Trent Barger like was playing, he got like really into it, and he like yanked the controller, and it like smashed, and it got jammed. Okay. So AJ, uh, curly-haired guy, he he fixed it the other day. He like got in there, he took the entire Wii apart, pulled the thing out. It was amazing. Put it back together. So I just put that in and put a new hack on it, and it's amazing. You can play as like Squidward and Patrick and all these guys. It's, there's like a hundred characters. It's it's amazing. So this none of this matters to the study. So I'm being dumb. And I don't know where I am right now. I'm totally lost. Oh, here we go. Okay, so if I'm sitting around playing video games, and my wife comes home, and she's got, like, just bags and bags of groceries. Brooklyn comes home from the grocery store. She's just got, like, bags and bags of groceries. And she's like, honey, can you help me with the groceries? Which she is known to do. And it's, it's, it's right. A husband should help a wife. So she goes, honey, can you help me with the groceries and carry them in? This bag of Oreos is just, it's 100 pounds. I got you so many Oreos because I know you love them. If I'm like, yeah, I'll help you. I'll help you, babe. Yeah, sweetie. I love, I'll help you. And then I just like sit playing my video games. I think helpful thoughts. I'm like, mm, yeah, it'd be great if she could be helped right now. That'd be so cool. I just, I hope she gets helped. Man, helping her is so cool. Like just being helpful. I just, I want to aspire to be a more helpful person. I'm going to really meditate on like the aspect of helpfulness. That'd be stupid. She'd be, like, trying to carry the groceries and, like, breaking her arms and just bummed out because I'd be just sitting around thinking helpful thoughts and getting nothing done. And if all we do as Christians is hear Bible studies and sit around and think, like, spiritual thoughts, oh, let's be spiritual, I'm going to meditate on that, and we don't actually go out and do something, we're not going to get anywhere. Make is a verb. You must act. You must make peace. How? There was an Australian school that decided that certain things that people did at school were dangerous. So they banned those things. Physical contact was just too dangerous for this Australian school. So they banned hugging, no hugging at this school, not even the side hug, and most dangerous of all, no high fives. Because someone could get injured. You could like slap some, this is a true story. Like this Australian school like banned high fives. Okay. Do you go to a school that's banned high fives? No. Listen, a high five could change somebody's day. I'm serious. Simple acts of kindness. You're, some of you guys are higher up on that social level. Some of you guys, you know it. Like, you're popular, and you know it. Use that. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Popularity is not bad if you leverage it for the kingdom of God, if you use it as a tool. And let's say that you're, you're cool. You hang with the cool kids. That's awesome. Jesus can use that. Go find a kid that you know is not a cool kid. Go find a kid where you just, you know, or maybe you're somewhere in between. I was like kind of, you know, I was like somewhere in loser camp and like in between. Like sometimes I hang out with the cool kids, but I was never like at the top at school. Maybe some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You're like in that middle limbo zone where you're like, yeah, I'm doing okay. Um, Whatever, wherever you are. Find somebody where you just, you know that nobody talks to them. They sit alone at the lunch tables. Nobody, they're never going to get a date to anything. That was me. Like, some of you guys know people like this. They just, they ask girls and they get rejected over and over again. They're bummed out all the time and no one wants to be their friend because maybe they're a little socially awkward. Go be their friend. Go high five them. I'm not just talking like, hey there, champ. <laughs> See you later. Like, like, go like, Psh, hey, how are you, man? Hey, how's life? Like, yeah, you want to like sit down at the lunch? Tell me how, how are things going with you? That's awesome, man. Can I pray for you? That dude, yeah. Like, go be their friend. Go reach out of your comfort zone. Stop hanging out with the same three or four friends that you've been hanging out since second grade and go find somebody who needs some love. 
Do something. Make some peace because that person doesn't have peace in their life because they feel like nobody loves them. They feel like nobody wants to be their friend. They feel like no one notices them. They feel like they're always going to be at the bottom of the social status. And you have the ability to bring some peace into their life by showing the love of God to them. Small acts of love. Make peace. Like... Do you see yourself as just a student in your school, or do you see the charge that Jesus gives you to be a peacemaker? I know this is uncomfortable. I know this is kind of awkward to talk about because it's like we all just want to play it cool because we don't want to lose our position. We don't want anyone to see us with that dorky kid because then they'll be like, well, maybe they're a little bit dorky. You're out of the club. You're out of the gang. We're not going to stay with you anymore. Like that, maybe that's, who cares? People like that aren't worth it anyway. Go love somebody. Go out of your way this week at school to love somebody and see what Jesus does with it. Imagine, imagine that we hear on the news words of death. There's a huge meteor coming to smash us. This is bad. This is really bad. We're all freaking out. And then let's say one of us, maybe you, so I'm just specifically saying all of you. Let's say you hear the truth that there's actually not a meteor coming to smash us, but they've developed a missile that they're going to shoot at the meteor and like save us because it's going to blow up the meteor. Okay. This is such a weird story. Okay. So you've got words of hope because everyone's freaking out and you've got words of hope and you can come up to somebody and say, Hey, I know you're freaking out, but guess what? They've got a missile that they're going to blow up the meteor. It's going to be okay. Okay, that's dumb. But you have words of hope because everyone around you is freaking out. They don't think things are going to be okay. They're bummed out. They've got their struggles. They've got their drama. They've got their life issues. And you've got words of hope. Uh, one of the things we talk about in the past in the book of Acts, when Paul's ship is going to go down, when Paul's ship is going to sink, and all the Romans on it, Paul's a prisoner on the ship, all the Romans are freaking out. We're going to die. We're, this is terrible. And Paul says, take heart. Because I know God is with us. He's told me none of us shall perish. We will live. Take heart means to take encouragement based on a fact. You can say to somebody, hey, take heart. You probably won't use those words, but it's the mindset. It's take heart. It means I'm going to encourage you based on a fact. Fact, God loves you. Fact, Jesus died for you. Fact, God, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Fact, these are all facts. And you know these. You've heard them your whole life. Stop sitting on the promises of God. Stop just taking all those verses that you heard in Bible school. How many people have verses that they just have memorized in their head because of Sunday school? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, okay. You've got those verses. Use them. I mean, we should have, I should be memorizing verses. A lot of times I don't even know the verses. I'm just like, hey, in the Bible, it says this thing that kind of sounds like this. I don't know the reference. But a lot of us, we have those verses. We know those verses. Go use them. Go encourage somebody. Write it down on a piece of paper and stick it in their locker. Bless somebody. Bring some peace into their life. At junior high camp one year, I remember um, I ended up going to the chapel. And there's three girls in there from another church. This is years and years and years ago. But I was talking to these three girls, and I was like, I walked up, and they're just like kind of bummed out. And I was like, hey, what's going on, guys? What's wrong? They're like, we're just talking about some serious stuff. And I was like, what's, well, okay. Well, I mean, I mean kind of like, can I pray for you guys? And they started talking, and they had some serious stuff. One girl got molested uh, by a family member. Another girl had like a serious like terminal illness, like just a disease that was going to kill her. Another girl, like it was like just this circle of sadness. Another girl had just gotten off of her parents getting divorced. And I was like, God, what do I do? And God was like, just listen to them. Just be a listener. Just let them tell their story. So I sat there and I listened, I listened, I listened for the longest time, just listening to their words. And then finally at the end, I was like, here's some words of hope. Here's what Jesus did for you. Here's how much God loves you. Here's how much God has forgiven you. Here's how much God is for you. Here's how much God has a plan for you. And you could just see the difference on their faces where they're just in the circle of bummed out. Now there's, there's joy. Guys, you have, you have this amazing like, thing inside you which is called hope, which is called joy. And don't just keep it to yourself. Give it away. Bring some peace into somebody's life. Guys, one of the best things I've ever seen is the ministry of letter writing. Paul wrote letters. He sent them to different churches. At, and on Tuesday nights, we're reading the book of Ephesians. Guys, write a letter to somebody. Like, how many people just, like, you love to get a letter in the mail? Yeah? Anybody? It's amazing, right? Who here just feels like this feeling of elation and wonder when you get, like, a, not an email, not a text, but a handwritten letter? Anybody? Like, anybody there with me? Yeah? Okay, you can do that for somebody. 
You can write a letter to somebody to encourage them. Maybe you're not a good writer. Just write a paragraph. Put it in the mail. Put a stamp on it. Send it to them. Put it in their locker. Just bless somebody. It's guys. I'm talking to you too. You're like, that's girl stuff. I don't write guys' letters. Like some of the counselors in my life and the friends in my life who actually wrote me handwritten stuff that was encouraging, that changed my life. I still remember what those guys said on that paper. You can change somebody's life through small acts of kindness. Let's make it really practical as we wind it down. Home life. You got a disagreement with your parents. You're like, they're crazy. Parents just don't understand. It happens. I remember very clearly thinking my parents were insane at several moments in my life. Make peace. Who cares if you feel like you're right and they're wrong? Make peace. Be the bigger person. Like, listen to your parents. Respect them. Honor them. Even if you disagree with them 100%, if they're just talking to you about something they don't want you to do, and you're like, I don't understand why that's wrong. They're like, well, I'm a parent, so I said so. And you're like, jump out the window. Like, that's what it feels like sometimes. Just, like, say, okay, Lord, I'm going to be a peacemaker. Okay? I don't have to agree with them, but I'm going to submit to their authority. I'm going to respect them. You just brought peace to a situation in your home that would normally just bring all this drama for weeks and weeks and weeks. You can be a peacemaker in your home. Your friend says something nasty about you, something really mean, where you're just like, oh, no, you didn't. I can't believe you said that. I'm going to go tell all my friends what a jerk you are. No, be a peacemaker. Who, you know what? Who cares if they struck first? Don't strike back. Turn the other cheek. Just let them say what they're going to say. Pray for them. Be like, you know, I'm going to pray for you. Don't, you know, don't even say that. Like, condescend. Like, you know what? You're a thinner. I'm just going to go and pray for you right now in my little prayer corner. Like, don't do that, okay? Just pray for them in your own heart. Love on, you can be a peacemaker. Because the alternative, I've seen it, some of you guys have been through it, those nasty fights that last for years where you're just battling with somebody back and forth, and I don't talk to them, and I used to be friends with them, but they're friends with her, so I don't talk to her anymore. Like, don't even do it, don't even go, just, just, just be a peacemaker. And you can't do that without Jesus, you gotta ask him for help. Some of you guys work, some of you guys have a job, and your coworkers, I've seen this before, Different places I work, your coworkers start talking trash about somebody who's not pulling their weight. Maybe there's another employee, and it's like everyone gets together in the room, like, man, he is just, he's the worst. Man, that guy does not know how to serve coffee. He is terrible. We hate him. He, we should get him fired. He's just, oh, he's the worst. Like, I feel like we've all had, I feel like at school, there was always that one guy, everyone was just like, that guy's the worst. And then at work, there's always that one guy or girl, it's like, they're the worst. And everyone loves to get together and talk about how they're the worst. Stop that right now. Be a peacemaker. Be the person to be like, hey, but you know what? They've got this good quality. Let's talk about that. People aren't going to listen. They're going to be like, you're dumb. Like, what are you on their side? Who cares? Be a peacemaker. Because somebody's going to notice. Somebody's going to be like, wow, they didn't trash talk that person. That makes me actually feel kind of good about them. I want to know more about why they didn't trash talk that person. That's an open door to tell them about Jesus. Maybe... You've wronged somebody. Who here has never wronged anyone? Raise your hand if you've never wronged any Okay, none of you. You've all wronged somebody. We've all made the wrong decision. Maybe you got in the flesh. Maybe you said something you didn't mean. You know what's the worst is when you say something you didn't mean, you're like, you're so dumb and I hate your outfit. Blah! And then you're like too prideful to apologize. And you know it's wrong. You're like, oh, that was really dumb to say, but I can't apologize. You're just, you're creating a war. Be the bigger person. Like humble yourself and just go, you know what? I had no right to say that to you. I'm so sorry. Can we still be friends? Please forgive me. That takes a lot of guts. But that's, that's what a peacemaker is. It's when you can like just acknowledge your own sin and apologize. Guys, you're all probably upset about something and someone at some point today. There's probably someone in your life you're upset about, but guys, it's always a two-way street. We always, in every argument, and I've been on both sides with kids, kids are like, they make you, we make ourselves out to be the hero in every situation. It's like, I was just minding my own business, and then they came up to me, and I didn't do anything to them, and they kicked me, and they stole my boyfriend, and then they kicked him, and I was like, why did you steal my boyfriend? They kick him. I just, uh, like, and, and, and you're just like, I'm the hero. I'm the victim. 
And then you talk to them and they're like, I was just minding my own business when she picked up her boyfriend and threw him at me and my foot just happened to be like this. And then like, she thought I kicked him, but I did. And then I threw hot coffee on her. And it's just, I hate her. And it's just, it's always like we make ourselves out to be the hero and the other person's the villain when really it's just, it's, it's both. We, it's every time, every time, every time. <laughs> We've all done something. We don't think it. We're like, it was all them. But we have to learn in every argument, we've always done something. And it takes a lot of guts to say, Lord, search my heart. What was it that I did? How could I have said that nicer to them? How could I have not have gotten so defensive? How could I have not had that attitude? Even sometimes when you feel like they are the bigger culprit, like they really did something wrong, there's always something you can apologize for too. And you got to ask what that is. Be a peacemaker. Even if they started it. You go and be the first one to apologize. See what it does. Some of you guys are upset at your parents today, and you feel like they did something that hurt you or made you mad. You know what? Just be the first to apologize. Watch what happens. Watch the peace that comes into your home. Don't wait around for them to come and apologize to you. Go just whatever you did. Even if they started it and they said something and you just snap back with an attitude, but you're like, it's their fault. They're the ones who said it to me. Go and apologize for your part in it and see the peace that God brings. I got to wrap this up, okay? I'm married, okay? There are times, I'm sorry, Brooklyn, but there are times where I absolutely know that you're wrong. Sometimes, when we're in an argument, and in the same way, there are times where she absolutely knows that I am wrong. And what we found, both of us, is in our relationship, even at the times where I'm like, I know that she's wrong. She's mad at me, but I know that she started it. Even the times where she's like, he's being crazy, but he's the one who started it. It's his fault. The times where Brooklyn comes to me and just apologizes first, like that just melts away all my defensiveness, and it makes me immediately go like, you know what? You're apologizing, but I really am the one who did it. Like, but if you understand, it's like when you're mad at someone, you're defensive. So, so if someone comes to you and they're just like, you did this, you did this, you did this, you're like, you put up the wall and you're like, oh, no, but you did that. And, you just, and that's what we do. But when someone comes and like, even if like, they may feel like you don't deserve an apology, my wife is great at this. She'll come up to me when I absolutely do not deserve an apology and she'll just, she'll apologize to me for like her part in the disagreement and it just melts away all my defensiveness and it's just like, oh, I don't deserve you. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. I love you. Okay. I gotta, I gotta, I'm going to embarrass her. But Brooklyn is definitely a peacemaker because she loves people. And I got I to gotta talk about her. I got to be I just, she's so sweet. Okay, my wife has a bunch of friends who are in California. And she keeps long-distance relationships. She, she, she's so good with this. She's always in contact with her friends. She's got this one friend in England. And this, this girl, I mean... Just a total picture of non-peace. She would send videos to my wife, um, just like, you know, like little webcam videos where they're talking to one another, and she'd just be crying. Her mascara would just be running down her face. She'd just be so upset. Just things in her life, stress at work, anxiety. And my wife saw this brokenness, and she's like, I've got to do something about it. So she not only was talking to her and trying to encourage her phone calls, trying to tell her about Jesus, but she put together this amazing care package just full of, like, just notes of encouragement and, like, Bible verses and, and little trinkets and little food and nail polish and just all this cute stuff and she mailed it to her and paid her like a big amount of a postage to send it all the way to England and this girl gets the package and just like there's just peace that that brokenness like that the love of another person that's something that's not just like worldly love that's that's love that's fueled by Jesus my wife sends this package, and, and the girl sends back a video, and just, she's just beaming. She's joyful. She's so thankful. Guys, you can do this. There's so many ways you can encourage other people. There's so many ways you can love other people. We've got to look at the other part of the verse. I'm running out of time. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. A son? If you're a peacemaker, you'll be called a son of God. What is a son? A son is someone who's like their father. A son shares the nature of their father. Some of you guys, maybe you have a dad, and maybe people say to you, like, oh, you're, you're looking just like your father. 
If you're a girl, hopefully they're not saying that to you. Uh, but if, you know, if you're, the, like, the last thing I want to hear is, like, oh, you've got your dad's nose. Because my dad is known for having a big nose, like a beak. Um, no offense, Dad, if you're listening to this, but, you know, we've talked about it. I don't want your nose. I'm glad I didn't get it. I have more of Mom's nose. Thank you, Mom. Thanks for the jeans. But you know what? You know what? I do want people to say things about me like, man, he's got his dad's courage. Because my dad's got a lot of courage. He's got his father's leadership. He's got his dad's love for other people. And just like we take after our real dads in certain ways, and our real moms in certain ways, we all want to hear, man, I take after my father in heaven. Isn't that what you want to hear? Like, man, you've got your father's love. Not earthly dad, but heavenly father. Man, you've got your father's compassion. Man, you've got your father's joy. That's what I want to hear. Peacemaking makes you more like God. And you're never more like God than when you're forgiving others. You're never more like God than when you're bringing peace into other people's lives. The last thing, the last thing to say about what it means to be a son, it's a Greek word, it's huios. Everyone say it, one, two, three, huios. Yes, huios. It means uh, someone who's adopted, sharing the same nature as the father, and an heir, which is someone who has the right to the father's inheritance. You've been given, this is my last, I'm going to just, I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to end with this. You've been given an inheritance of peace. Whoever watched DuckTales? Woo! Yes, okay. So, a little fun fact. If you actually dived off a diving board into a pool of gold coins, your spine would break instantly. So, don't do it if you get rich. I just save your life. Okay, here's the thing, though. We have this giant golden swimming pool full of peace right in our own backyard. And you can take a dip in it any time. It's just spending time with Jesus. So if you're stressed out today, if you're freaking out, if you're having a hard time, I encourage you today, get with Jesus, get his peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding, and then go give that peace to somebody else. Don't just hoard it. Don't be a peace hoarder. Just be like, I'm so peaceful. And everyone's like freaking out. You're like, oh, tranquility. No, go give that peace to somebody. They need it. Jesus has called you to be a peacemaker. If you will be a peacemaker, you'll be a son or daughter of God. People look at you and say, they're just like their father in heaven. But you are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You've got the inheritance. You've got salvation. You don't have to worry about death. You don't have to worry about trials. You don't have to worry about, about bitterness, all these things, because even if you have them, even if you have trials, even if you're all going to die. Sorry, newsflash. You're all going to die. 100% of people die. So you all die. That's a downer to end the study. You're all going to die. Hopefully, not today, unless a meteor hits us like right now. But <laughs> you're all going to die. <laughs> so funny to say up on stage. You're all going to die, though, really, okay, one day. But we don't have to be afraid because we get to be with Jesus. The body's just a tent. We can have peace. I don't, I don't care about dying anymore because I've got peace. And don't worry about losing your salvation because you have Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you have everything. If you believe in him, if you're walking with him, you're safe. No one can take you out of his hand. Even if you mess up and you stumble and you sin, doesn't matter. He's still got you in his hand. He's like, hey, I want to help you. I want to give you peace. Unity with God and man. That's what we want. I'm going to pray for you guys that you get it. I hope you got it. I'm going to give it. Okay, <laughs> let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these awesome students, these friends of mine. Man, Lord, you're amazing. And I was freaking out before I taught this, and I was really stressed out about teaching it and didn't even get to all the stuff I wrote in the conclusion. But who cares, Lord? Peace. You're good. You're amazing. And ex you exactly what you wanted to be said today was said because you are in control. And I realize that. And I'm so thankful. You're so marvelous, Jesus. You're so wonderful. Lord, whatever these guys are going through, they're all going through struggles. They've all got something. No matter how well they hide it, there's struggles, there's temptations, there's situations that are discouraging. There's depression. There's feelings of loneliness, feelings of discouragement. But Jesus, I pray right now you'd lift that. I pray that you'd bring peace into these broken situations and these broken lives. Lord, protect us from the storms. Bring us peace. God, I, I wish and I pray peace on all these people here.
Today, I pray they'd feel that peace in their heart that surpasses understanding. And maybe, God, maybe you're letting some trials happen in their life because you want it to drive them to you. If there's somebody here today who's going through a trial, and I think there's, there's several people today who are going through a pretty heavy trial. God, I pray for these people in this room right now who are going through these trials that the trial would not push them away from you, but it would push them to you. I pray that even today they would grab a Bible, go find a quiet place, open up the Word, and see what you would say to them. And even if they open it up to a random page in Leviticus and they're like, I don't understand this, I pray they wouldn't give up. I pray they'd keep seeking, they'd keep asking, they'd keep knocking until they find that peace. Jesus, we thank you that your desire is to bring us peace. Your desire is to give us peace. Lord, we ask that you'd give us peace right now. And as we worship you with a couple more songs, Lord, I pray that you would just bring peace into this room right now. We love you. We love you so much. And we ask all these things in your name, amen.